Hello, you are listening to episode 62 of GameSpot After Dark. On this week's episode, Cameron Hawkins joins us to talk about Baldur's Gate 3 and the never-ending console wars. Hello and welcome to episode 62 of GameSpot After Dark, GameSpot's official video game podcast. I'm your host, Jake Decker, and joining me this week is Lucy James. Hello. Callie Plaguey. Hello. And Cameron Hawkins from DualShockers. What's going on? Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for allowing me on. Of course. I remember meeting you at PAX West uh, after you had won that kind of funny game journalist championship oh yeah is that the, the, trophy's is that right the trophy there. over Hell there yeah. our yeah. listeners won't be able to see it but there's a there's a nice trophy back there so uh <laughs> i think i said it then but once again congrats on your victory you beat michael hyam GameSpot's michael hyam uh <laughs> i was rooting for him but you know still happy still happy you won <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah no, i totally understand and more importantly you're a fellow uh gen 2 champion as absolutely not not absolutely. as in pokemon champion but as in a fan of an advocate for it i didn't phrase yeah. any of that properly. pokemon crystal to this day is my second favorite game of all time it's yeah. the reason why i play video games what's your first favorite kingdom hearts 2 hell yeah Good, jake Easy. uh welcome to the weebcast jake <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, there's going to be a lot of JRPG talk in this episode, I I forecast, because I added some questions in there, plus Jacob McCourt asked a question for Cameron specifically all about Kingdom Hearts, which we're going to get into very soon. But before we do that, we start this show with the Chris from Dayton, Ohio segment. Chris. Little little late on the the song there, but it'll yeah. work. I can cut out the <laughs> I can cut out the air in between, make it work. <laughs> To be fair, I normally forget about that and just keep talking. You guys probably make sure I don't do that. We should we should have just made an actual like jingle. Probably. I feel like yeah, over a year in. Probably yeah, we should probably. have just committed at this point. We've got some musicians on staff. Yeah, maybe we can get one of our listeners to come up with a cool uh, Chris from Dayton, Ohio jingle. We can <gasps> just a, slot right in the podcast. Oh, there's plenty Not, of musicians that are probably listening. So Yeah. And and that isn't a direct ripoff of a video game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, Cameron, the Chris from Dayton, Ohio segment is basically an opportunity for you to introduce yourself to our listeners. Uh, for some background, the story behind this section is that someone wrote in, I think like episode two, saying, hey, I really like the podcast, but I don't know who you guys are. No one gave any introductions. Who the hell are you? What are your favorite games? What games do you always return to? What are some of your favorite genres? So we've kind of made that into a segment where our guests can introduce themselves, tell us a little bit about themselves. So with that... Well, one thing I do want to mention is that I don't think Chris actually listens to the podcast anymore. So Yeah, we've lost Chris. Oh. We, we've yeah. we've look, tried to find him on the to, Discord server. R.I.P. We have to honor his memory. <laughs> yeah. Imagine him coming back and he's just like, wait, why? This is still going on? <laughs> yeah, 62 episodes in. So anyway, continue. Who are who the hell are you is specifically what Chris asked us. Uh, yeah, so uh, my name is Cameron Hawkins. I'm a writer over at DualShockers.com. Uh, I've been featured on uh, IGN, Kind of Funny Games Daily, uh, Inside Gaming, Spawn on Me, uh, and now Game uh, GameSpot. Um and yeah, I just uh, some of my favorite games: uh, Kingdom Hearts 2, Pokemon Crystal, Mass Effect 2, 
yes, Limbo. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, The Wolf Among Us. That's my top five. Right <gasps> there. Damn. You know what? I've been genuinely rethink- thinking about replaying Wolf Among Us. Like, I think that game has the best ending to any video game I've ever played. It's stunning. And it's- I just remember loving it so much. I will say you're probably the first person to give us their top five without any hesitation. Yeah, I recently like, like you knew my <laughs> I recently like did a stream where I just sat down and just was like, okay, let me try and figure out my top fifty games of all time. So I just kind of have it. It's, it's fresh in my mind. That's awesome. God, I Man. keep so many like Google notes of stuff like games I've played this year, but I've never yep. fully committed to doing the top of all time because it changes. Like, oh yeah. 100%. Like sometimes I'll be in a game. Ever changing. I would say like probably your top 10 stays pretty consistent. Yeah. But after that, it's just like ever changing. Mm. Well, especially like up to 50. Like what's the difference between 49 and 48? Just like the, the smallest smidge. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like at that point, it's like, well, this game came in my head first. So it'll be 49 and this one will be 48. Uh, Simon Cotty, friend of the show at IGN, has uh, SciMDB. For his yes. top 150 yes. favorite movies, he wouldn't do SciGN for his top games, um, but I think he has SciTunes for his albums, which I really oh, okay. okay. He has like, yeah, if you ask him nicely, he'll send you the Google Docs. Yeah, no, I remember I've listened to the IGN UK podcast yeah. quite a bit, so know all about that. <laughs> I, I love that organization. Also, I long for a name that fits in as many puns as Simon does. So yeah. effortlessly. Oh, it was a pun on Simon. I thought it was like a heavy sigh because that's the emotion I feel when I think about ranking things. <laughs> also, it's because we only ever call him Cardi. Yeah, I've never, I've never called him Simon in my life. So. I, I call him Simon if he says something weird. I don't like Simon. Anyway, well, <laughs> he's been on the podcast before. This Chris from Dayton, <laughs> Ohio segment's a little different. Like I was mentioning before, Jacob McCourt sent in a question for Cameron. And it is, if Cam is on the show this week, I wanted to ask about his love for Kingdom Hearts. Played Kingdom Hearts 1, Kingdom Hearts 2, a few hours and bounced off. How would he explain to us that Kingdom Hearts is an experience worth playing? Genuine question, no joke here. I did like how he wanted to make sure, clarify that he was in fact not joking and he wants he wants a genuine answer for this. Yeah. Um, so based off the way he says question, if you only played like a few hours of 1 and then a few hours of 2, well, like there's there's your problem right there. You got to play through all of the first game. And I will say that, like, I think that the majority of this series has held up pretty well uh, up to now. I think Kingdom Hearts 2 has aged. I'm playing through it again right now, and I still think it plays really, really well. Mm. Um, Kingdom Hearts 1 has has not aged well, uh, I would say. Um, but so, like, I can understand people trying to get in the series now, and they're playing the first game, and they just kind of aren't into it because it, it definitely shows its age. Um, but I definitely think the game, uh, the series gets immensely better from a gameplay standpoint after the first game. And when it comes to like just Kingdom Hearts in general, like if you like Disney, there's a reason to get into it. If you like JRPGs, there's like there are reasons to get, to definitely get into it. Um and I think that it's a more approachable JRPG from like a gameplay standpoint cuz it's not like your general turn-based combat. It's more action, you know, it's a more action-based uh, JRPG. And I think that you know, people give the story uh a lot of hate and i will say that like until like more recent entries um where things do get pretty pretty wild uh i don't think the story of kingdom hearts is that like nonsensical you just got to play the games if you play the games you'll understand the story um for like 95 percent of it i would say 
Um, yeah, I think it's a, I, th- I definitely think it's a great uh, series. Um, I think it still like it's at the very least from a game game play, uh, gameplay standpoint is like really, really fun. Um, and yeah, I, I, I love the story. I love the characters uh, for, you know, for better or worse. So, yeah. And I think that's the thing is like the story does make sense, but you just have to put in a lot of hours to get there. And yeah. I guess, and, and with Kingdom Hearts, like you said, has not aged well. And even with the remake, like, I mean, I love, it's an awful story, but I kind of love it. Like the commitment they went to, it's like all of the original stuff from Kingdom Hearts 1, they lost. So they had to remake it completely and they still let it feel like that game that came out in the early 2000s. Like the camera is god awful. Some of the level design just feels very dated compared to now. But a great thing about Kingdom Hearts is that, like, if you're enjoying the combat in Final Fantasy 15, Final Fantasy 7 Remake, then you have Kingdom Hearts to thank for a lot of that because that was kind of the Kingdom Hearts um, more action-focused combat that they've taken through into Final Fantasy now. So it's kind of nice to see, like, the game that influenced Kingdom Hearts is now being influenced by Kingdom Hearts, which is cool. Out of curiosity, what were your thoughts on Kingdom Hearts 3? Because I know that one's kind of mixed among mm-hmm. the community. Yeah. So Kingdom Hearts 3, in my opinion, uh, like if I had to put a, like a score on it, I would probably give it like an eight and a half. Like that's probably like what I would have to put if I had to put a number on it. Because I know that people care about that stuff. Um, to me, I think it was still a very good game. It just did not meet expectations. But like, you know, when you have to follow up Kingdom Hearts 2, which a lot of people consider like, probably in the top 25 best JRPGs ever made, you know, that's a lot to live up to. Um, I think the combat's, like, the combat, while some of the changes that they made, uh, I think were more of a step back than a step forward, I think was still fun. Um, I think the story, especially after the Remind DLC, uh, like, the Remind DLC specifically gave me what I wanted from the original from Kingdom Hearts 3. I don't think that the story and the gameplay and the boss battles were as tight as um as Kingdom Hearts 2 and Square Enix was aware of that because they specifically like said to fans like yo these boss battles in Remind are going to be hard because you guys were complaining about how easy the boss battles were in the base game. Um and so for me, I think the game, like I, th- I thought the story was pretty good. There were some just things that they did with the characters, uh, specifically like Riku and Kairi that I felt um, they really got uh, low, low balled, shafted on. Um, and, you know, Sora is the main character, but I I've definitely feel like as you play throughout these games, especially uh, Dream Drop Distance, was, which was like the last like main entry leading up to uh, Kingdom Hearts 3, they very much teased that like, they were all going to be like Keyblade wielders. They were all going to be masters teaming up together, even though that Sora was going to be the, still like the main character in Kingdom Hearts 3, that they would have a bigger role than what they actually ended up having in Kingdom Hearts 3, which was disappointing because um, I'm a big fan of specifically Riku. Um, I loved uh, his I love his character development throughout the series, um, and I, I just love that character. Um, so for me, I think that overall it was still really, really solid. Um, it just didn't meet expectations. And then there were just some general like story and gameplay things that they, that again, just felt more of like a step back than a step forward for the franchise. Yeah. It's, and it's also weird because like Nomura-san going from 
like Kingdom Hearts 3 to Final Fantasy 7 remake, like you got to wonder where which one had the pull of his attention at certain yeah. points and like and that's something that I bring up to people a lot especially on Twitter and people think I'm crazy when I say that like Nomura is probably the most hard working like game developer in the industry. Like he he's been working consistently for like since Final Fantasy 7 like mm. I don't know if that man's ever gotten a vacation, like because he because he was working on thirteen, yep. and then like he still was working on Kingdom uh, versus thirteen. I'm sorry, versus thirteen, which ended up being fifteen, and then he had to end up leaving that project, which was supposed to be like his vision from the get go, for someone else, and to work on Kingdom Hearts three, and then now he's trying to implement versus 13's actual like story into Kingdom Hearts three or into the Kingdom Hearts uh, series with Yazora and stuff like that. So it's like one of those things where I feel like, and yeah, and then he's also had to direct Final Fantasy VII remake like at the same time as finishing up Kingdom Hearts three. So it's it's insane. Like that that guy, like I like I love him. I want I literally want him to tattoo my like I want him to sign my arm so I can get a tattooed. I love Tetsuya Nomura um, that much. But yeah, that man needs a break, and I think that uh, people give him a little bit too much uh, flack and discredit to mm-hmm. how hard he works. I feel like too all those games you mentioned weren't games that you know had two or three year development cycles. They were like they were like so those were like Final Fantasy fifteen. They were working on for well over a decade, right? Yep. If you count verses and stuff like that. So yep. so it's it's wild to be tied to projects that long, and not even tied to those projects that long, but tied to other projects while you're doing that. Mm-hmm. So I, I I think you bring up a great point, even as someone who doesn't follow Kingdom Hearts all that much, but does have interest in a somewhat interest in Final Fantasy. Like, I definitely see where you're coming from, and I definitely have a lot of respect for the amount of work that guy and his team probably goes through for these games, because it's crazy. It's crazy Square Enix can just keep those games alive for that long. But anyway, we should probably talk about what we've been playing this week. (laughs) Uh, Lucy, do you want to start with this? Yeah, so my Yakuza uh, adventure, I finished Zero. Um the weekend it's very good if you haven't played yakuza zero please do uh and i've moved straight on to kawami um also very good um however my repetitive strain injury got really bad so i had to pause on the combat for a bit um i've been playing some crash 4 it's about time which is really good like i am surprised at how good that game is it is a really good mix of um like kind of old crash so for context i did not enjoy the um the remake from a couple years ago it just felt way too different for me it just wasn't nitro insane trilogy yeah the insane trilogy didn't really enjoy it that much and like even though when i was a kid i just played through crash so many times like the insane trilogy did nothing for me this is like is I'm getting the same feelings of nostalgia of the original games, but the gameplay has been modernized and feels so much better. Like it's still difficult, but the way that they've, they're giving it to you, it's like you can either play like classic. So you have lives, you collect hundred one per fruit to get lives. Um, when you die, you lose a life or you just play this kind of the new modern version. I think that's what they're calling it, where you can just play. And if you die, you just restart and it just counts up the number of deaths but you don't lose anything, so you just kind of encourage to keep going. Platforming's really good. The new additions, um, gameplay-wise, they've added these masks that can uh, phase objects in and out. 
Um, that's the first one you can get. And like, they're just like really nice little um, additions, I would say, to gameplay. But also, it's really funny. It's really well written. It is like a perfect kind of kids game. Like it's got humor that I'm not balking at. Uh, <laughs> and it looks really good. It looks really cute. And like really, like I love the new art style. There's obviously always going to be a a kind of freak out on the internet when they redesign a beloved character. But I think they did a great job with Crash. And honestly, like if you liked Crash Bandicoot, I would definitely recommend Crash 4. Like it's it's a real, it kind of bugs me that not enough, not more people are talking about it. Because it is really good. I feel like it just got completely lost because everyone's looking ahead. But yeah, our review is really positive too. Yeah, and there's like time powers in it, right? Like Crash has like can stop time for a second or something like that. Or I, I think so. I haven't got that far yet. I okay. only got like the first mask. But the thing is, as well, it has. Um, so you remember at the end of Crash games when it'll show you how many boxes you missed and whatever. Now it has different. Um, little things to encourage you to go back and replay. So they got time trials again, but you also have like, if you get uh, through the level without dying a certain number of times, if you hit every box, if you do this, this, and this, you get gems and then gems unlock costumes. So there's so much like replay value in all the levels, which is really, really good. But the one thing I do wish that we'd move past is hidden boxes that appear just like a tiny bit on screen. Because I can get all the way and I feel so confident that I've got every single one and then there'll just be one box that I've missed and then I'll maybe catch it on another run and it's like hidden this much behind a leaf and it's <laughs> bullshit. It's, 20, it's 2020. Give me something. <laughs> do, you, do you think because we have a Crash 4 now we're getting a Spyro 4? Honestly, there are so many homages and references to Crash in this. I would not be surprised. Yeah, there's that whole, like, um, it's, oh, I don't know if it's, like, Mardi Gras or something. It's this cool level, like, where Spyro, like, balloons or... Mm -hmm. that even, I saw screenshots of when I was putting the review together. Yeah, even in the very, very first, um, when you wake up on a beach, so they kind of um, homage the very first Crash game when, when you wake up on the beach. And uh, in the water, there is a Spyro the Dragon um, pool float. Cute. So it's very, very cute. It's very sweet. So I hope they get another another Spyro. I just want to relive my childhood over and over again. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely interested in checking out Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time. Because I feel like that game could have gone either way. When we were seeing previews of it and whatnot, it was either going to be a return to form, good game, or it would just kind of be lost. And it's kind of a shame that it sounds like it is being lost, even though it is that good. So part of me wants to just give it a go, even though I'm someone who kind of never really had any attachment to Crash Bandicoot. It's a lot of fun. And honestly, I think it leaked or someone has been saying that they've seen um, like product pages for it for PS5 and Series X. So I, I, I imagine like anything coming out this close to the end of the generation will be on next gen so mm -hmm. i hope it, i hope it still has a big life ahead of it it's a fun game yeah, i think the only exception to that is star wars squadrons right didn't they say it's not coming to next gen basically everything else i would assume that it did they coming. say that i oh, feel like they did i don't know i get motion sick at complex so. yeah i can't play that game anyway so uh, I, i'm like i'm really bummed like i have never been like i've been really intrigued by star wars but i just know that i can't play it I played a bit of Squadrons in VR and it was really cool. Mm. Except, yeah, after a mission, I couldn't do it. I had to take it <laughs> off. I had to take everything off. I couldn't even play Squadrons after. And I'm usually pretty good about getting sick while playing VR. Rarely happens. 
but that game just did it for me because wow. you're boosting, you're flipping your ship around, and it is. Uh, but there's something so cool about just being inside of an X-wing and seeing all the 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 things light up in there. It, it it's it, it's pretty neat. Callie, myself, and Lucy have been playing Baldur's Gate three. We'll talk about that later. Um, I wish I was playing Baldur's Gate. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, well, for those that, for in case you guys don't know or anyone, like I have severe arachnophobia, so I can't uh, play games with spiders in them. Yeah, most games at the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, <laughs> it it sucks because there's like so many fantasy. Like I love like RPGs, like you know, and like I can't play Skyrim. I can't play like I never have gotten to play so many is of those it, games because there's of a it. mod for Skyrim. Yeah, but I, like for. For me, it's one of those things where, like, okay, is it like, does it fully replace the spider, mm-hmm. or is it just like a model over the spider, or is it, you know, like, because because oh, yeah. things can get hairy there. Um, not trying to be a pun <laughs> with spiders being hairy, um, you know, and like I haven't played Bloodborne because I've heard that there's like the, the one spider boss, and then there's like another room full of spiders, which I'm actually getting my friend who's played Bloodborne to like just get me through that one section of the game because I really want to play Bloodborne and see what mm-hmm. all the hype is about. That's fair, um, yeah. The Bloodborne ones as well are, like, very grim. Yeah. So yeah. It's obviously so Lovecraftian. It, it's so. normally a case-by-case basis, but nine times out of ten, I can't I can't do the spiders. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I, I guess we will just talk about Baldur's Gate 3 now a little bit. Um, Wait, but- really quickly. I Googled it with uh, Star Wars Squadrons. They're not getting a next-gen update, but there is a backwards compatibility should work is the oh, okay. quote that I'm looking at. So I just wanted to clarify that because I didn't want to just spout nonsense on here. Anyway, sorry, Jake. Uh, I was thinking we might as well just talk about Baldur's Gate 3. Callie, I know you've been playing it. Uh, I played it as well. I think the thing that stood out most was that it was fun, but incredibly buggy. So like, as you'd so expect in early access. Like, I am not getting, I mean, touch wood, my experience has been pretty smooth. Literally the biggest bug that I have had is that sometimes left alt to uh, show everything that you can interact with just sometimes doesn't work. And one time uh, just an autosave didn't ping and I lost about half an hour. Are you playing by yourself or are you playing? I co-op? am playing by myself. So I think that's it. Because ah. when we played it, it was me, Callie, Matt Padgett and Peter Brown playing last night and just everything that could go wrong probably went wrong both like in terms of bugs and and also just us doing incredibly stupid making like terrible decisions like killing npcs on accident i i was not in charge of any decisions because i never got to a conversation first so i was never in charge so the stupid decisions are not my fault however there were like characters clipping into each other, bodies like yeah. rubber banding. Um, Jesus, I haven't had any of this. Yeah, camera angles being really messed up. We killed a guy that we really hated. He had this like stupid posh accent, so that was worth doing. Wait, which guy? <laughs> uh, he's like this gray-haired guy at the beginning. Oh, yeah, 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 I do. Yeah. So yeah, we killed the ass. I didn't um, even realize you could do that, but of course you can. Oh yeah, Larry, and you can do whatever you want. <laughs> we can do it. We um, like set ourselves on fire and all die. <laughs> I did that because I didn't real. I tried to pick something up, and I set the uh, my character to go get it, and she just walked straight through the fire. And I was like, "Okay, bitch." <laughs> the real twenty twenty mood there. Yeah, I, I think the 
the thing that stood out most were the cutscenes. The cutscenes were pretty buggy. I think if you remove those, it was a little bit smoother, but man, they were absurd. Like characters would spawn inside of characters. So we'd be being like one of the NPCs would tell us something while Peter Brown's like goth elf was just inside of this character. It was, <laughs> it, it, it was kind of a nightmare. The actual gameplay itself was fine. The only big bug that I found that was kind of frustrating was there was a point where I just could not save my game. Uh, and we lost about 40 minutes of progress just because I could not save. Like I went and hit save a bunch of times and it wasn't happening. And I know this is all par for course for an early access game. So I'm not, we're not necessarily sitting here saying it's bad that all these things are there. It's just. Actually, I laughed so hard at some of these bugs that I, I, I really thought for a moment that I was going to throw up. I was laughing (laughs) so hard like crying tears streaming down my face at some like just oh it was it was such a good time like just the hijinks I because Jake and Matt and Peter are off like doing whatever shenanigans I didn't have time to read any tutorials so I'm just bumbling through every second of this game being like I don't know how to end my turn I don't know how to do anything because I didn't read any of the tutorials um, and then Jake is like a pickpocket, so he's pickpocketing oh, yeah. potions, stealing potions from Matt, and from <laughs> every. And then, like at one point, Peter just killed Jake just because. Stop stealing my potions, potion stealer, potion seller. And then Jake is playing; he's role playing Geralt of Rivia, so his I character looks like Geralt. <laughs> Meanwhile, mine is like an actual demon with like ram's horns and like pink skin. And then yeah. Matt's character just looks like an Italian American man. Like yeah. it's this it's a disaster. Absurd. It's a disaster. I love this game. My favorite bit is in the character creator where. I was just carrying through, making my character, and then it was, uh, what kind of person do you fantasize about? And then it immediately <laughs> takes you to another character creator, and you just it presents you with this Adonis of a character. And I was like, I'm gonna make some changes here, but yeah, I, I'm very excited to see what comes of that. Me too, because I I made my like, who do you dream about, girl? And I was like, oh, she's better than the character I made. So now I have this like incredibly hot demon that I created. That's way better than the, the demon that I'm playing as. And I was kind of upset. It kind of looks that. like Kim Kardashian. Is kind of what My character doing, right? does kind of look like Kim Kardashian. It was an accident. <laughs> I, I will say the combat is still very good uh, yeah, from what I've fun. played. I'm I'm a little concerned because one of my issues with Divinity 2's combat was that it got to a point where everything was like elemental fire that you couldn't put out with water. So almost every battlefield just turned into this, this massive field of fire that you couldn't deal with. At least I couldn't figure out how to deal with because I'm stupid. Uh, <laughs> I hope that's not necessarily the case. I was really tired of the elemental effects in, in Divinity. So far, it doesn't seem like that. We had that one interaction that, w- that I thought was super oh, satisfying. Like we, well, Yeah, in the crypt. We like fell in that hole <laughs> and there was an explosive barrel. And I was like, Peter, shoot it with your arrow. And oil goes everywhere. And he's like, that did nothing. And I was like, no, wait, it's going to do something. And I threw like a fire spell at it because we were completely surrounded and we just burned off pretty much all the enemies. And it immediately changed the dynamic of the battle, which was super cool. And it's why I played a lot of Divinity, why I love that game and why... I'm excited for Baldur's Gate. You, you forgot the best part, though, was after we lit them all on fire, they started running out of the fire, and then I threw a gravity bomb that pulled them back into the fire. 
No, I didn't even catch that. So yeah. <laughs> it was a great um, time. I will yeah. say shout out to Dave Jewett on uh, GameSpot team who is like, when Divinity came out, he did so many amazing videos. He's doing the same for Baldur's Gate. He's just done a really good one about how it, uh, Baldur's Gate 3 is making him love failure, um, which is really good. And honestly, like watching the stuff that he makes, because like I didn't really get on with Divinity, but after seeing Dave get so excited about Baldur's Gate, I got a code and I was playing it and I was like, oh, this is it. I get it now. And it's made me want to go back and play Divinity. Same. Um, we should do a divinity campaign it's really good like co-op is so fun in that game because just the things that can happen are so absurdly stupid do you do you guys have like a GameSpot D&D group not yet we've danced around oh man because that's what I I play D&D at least once every week I have like two groups and they rotate every week and god D&D is amazing I really I really want to play I I really want to play Cyberpunk um, yeah red as well okay yeah that's really want to get into some kind that sounds of cool tabletop. yeah tabletop is awesome i've i've rolled quite a few characters and then i've like started jake and i were in a campaign and then COVID happened and then we just haven't been able to it's been a disaster but um mm-hmm. we start like i it's interesting because i was like okay i want to like wrap my head around this i want to play cyberpunk i want to like understand these games and then jake's like just get Baldur's Gate 3 and play with us. And uh, it's already been such a fun time. So for sure, I I do want to shout out. Um, so we don't often do this. We've been doing it, dabbling in it a little bit, but we are going to have an early access review of Baldur's Gate. Basically it's just mm-hmm. a designation in our back end that lets us review games when they're in early access. It'll be clearly marked as an early access review and obviously take into account that the game's not finished and still, you know, subject to change. The score is subject to change. Um, but please look out for that um, for Baldur's Gate 3. Um, if you want, like, in-depth, uh, not not a couple of people bullshitting and setting themselves on fire opinions. <laughs> uh, Those are good opinions, though. I stand by them. <laughs> uh, well, with that, Callie, you've also been playing some Animal Crossing. It's been a while since we've had an Animal Crossing update from... Callie Plaguey. Yeah, I have been, you know, I I, I say it every time, but I still play every day. I haven't skipped a day, but um, I was kind of just doing my dailies and then bouncing off. So like maybe playing 15 minutes, 20 minutes a day. Um, And then the Halloween themed update came out and I have been going apeshit, just absolutely bananas. So um, I've decorated my town to be pumpkin themed. Um, It looks like a pumpkin patch. I have a pumpkin patch. I've already got every color of every Halloween costume. Um, I went, I like really went ham. I think on Sunday I played for eight straight hours um, decorating. And uh, yeah, so my entrance is all like I have a pumpkin carriage that I bought off of somebody on the internet because it's actually you can't get it until halloween <laughs> I, I have this pumpkin carriage in my entrance and then jack-o'-lanterns all set up and then a special my spooky forest is getting spookier um and yeah i love the new items like the new items are so good there's these like little imp wings like little bat wings you can get um there's like horns that you can wear different like witch there's like almost um there's like this like mage outfit that looks like you're in a secret society. Like it's like a hood and a robe. Um, 
it makes me think of the um, stone cutters in The Simpsons. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, the, the crafting stuff is really, really adorable and fun. And I've, I've so been enjoying that. There's like a new fence, which was really exciting. <laughs> it doesn't sound exciting if you're not into Animal Crossing, but I, I have found it kind of invigorating to revisit my um, terraforming plans because I'd kind of been like, I have no inspiration. I don't know what to do. But now I have the inspiration of like, I want it to be like a harvest festival in my on my island because um, my favorite time of year has always been fall and Halloween. And I love, um, I like my school had a Halloween carnival that was like my favorite event of the entire year. I loved it so much. And so that's kind of the vision I have for my island. So um, I would definitely recommend checking back in and getting some pumpkins. Um, would you say that the Harvest Festival is like the Pawnee Harvest Festival from like Parks and Recreation? I have, I don't have you know I have watch I've, I've watched. Oh my God. It's like the greatest show ever. <laughs> I, it's one of my favorite shows of all time. It's absolutely should watch it. It's on my list to be like feel good comedy because I'm finishing Schitt's Creek. So oh, I need to have, get back on Schitt's Creek. I really want to fin- I really want to watch Parks and Rec. Um, it is it's my favorite sitcom of all time. It's it's hilarious. Would you say should I go in straight as season 1 cuz apparently it like changes a bit. You should. Like, yeah. But just, season just 1 season 1 is kind of like season 1 of The Office. Like yeah. it tries to be something and it doesn't really work so they kind of have to make some changes mm-hmm. and then but uh still like it's still good. It's still like a, a very good first season but then season two onward is like just amazing like so good yeah i need to watch it cameron how about you we talked a little bit about star wars squadrons but it looks like you've been playing it yeah i've been playing it i finished up the campaign last night uh it's um the gameplay is fun uh you know it's it's about it's you know what i expected um it was funny because like not going completely off tangent here the one thing that I noticed, because I'm not like a huge Star Wars fan, like I enjoy Star Wars, but like Mass Effect is more like my sci-fi universe that yeah. I'm super about. Um, and so I was curious because in the game, the uh, you know the Rebels, the Republic, have shields for their for their ships, but but the Empire doesn't. And I was just like, so I asked my Star Wars friend, like, hey, why why do the Empire not have shields? Like they're they should be way more wealthy than the Rebellion, like. This doesn't make any sense. And then basically told me that like apparently the Empire worked more on a quantity versus like over quality type approach when it what, came like to like Zap Brannigan? Like we'll send yeah. waves after wave of our own. <laughs> exactly. Men. Exactly. Yeah. He like actually gave me like economic like econ- <laughs> economy type things like oh so an x-wing costs 150,000 units to make while a tie fighter costs 60,000 so you know the empire could make two and a half tie fighters and so, you know like i was just like oh, oh okay God. that makes sense but was, like i was just that was like the one thing that i was just curious about playing yeah. throughout the game um but no the story um it's all it's all right like it's better than uh the battlefront 2 story i would say um in some regards i think it's just better written i think the characters are better written to a certain degree um but it kind of does the same thing that battlefront 2 does where it kind of ends with no real like proper ending um in the sense of like i don't know if there's going to be like a like a, a like a, a an update with with the uh with the actual ending like the like Battlefront 2 did or if they're going to bring like some of the characters back for a sequel or something like that but 
yeah, I felt like the story didn't really feel complete by the time the mission, uh, the last mission ended. Uh, but, you know, again, the gameplay is fun. And the main reason I got the game is because I wanted to shoot in the ships. So, uh, you know, I enjoyed it. It's it's solid. Um, you know, nothing to uh, gawk over in any way. But I, I enjoyed my time with it. And I'm looking forward to jumping into the multiplayer with some friends for sure. I definitely appreciated that $40 price tag, too. Yes, absolutely. It was nice. Especially for me, eh? I know people have already talked about that a ton, but I still was surprised when I went to check out on Steam and I was like, oh yeah, this game is not full price. I like that. Thanks, EA. <laughs> uh, you also playing Battletoads? Yeah, so I've been like slowly but surely playing through Battletoads the past like month or so. Um, I uh, actually really liked Battletoads. Uh, I thought it was really funny. Uh, it was like the there's a lot of cutscenes in the game and the cutscenes was like, this should just be a TV show and it would be really good. Um, and, but you know, it, it had a nice variety of levels. Um, some obviously better than others. Um, I saw that like GameSpot gave it like a six and I think that that's pretty accurate, but it's definitely like one of the most fun sixes I've played in a long time. If, if that makes sense. Mm. Uh, so, you know, I really, I really enjoy my time with it and I'm looking forward to, uh, I, I hope that they make a sequel or, again, they make a TV show because I, I, I really think that uh, there's something there for that. Uh, but, yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Nice. nice. That's another one I want to check out at some point. Free with Game Pass, right? Yeah, absolutely. I played it with Game Pass. All right. Well, let's take a quick break and then we'll come to topics. All right. And we're back with topics. There's not a whole lot of... Maybe not big news this week, but there's not a whole lot of news to really dig into to talk about. The big things that stood out, I'm a little biased, but Cyberpunk Goes Gold, that made me very excited. Uh, we talked at length last week about the the work conditions and, and stuff, so I don't think we necessarily need to get into that again, but I figure that's important news. The game is gold, uh, so that should mean no more delays. They tweeted out, no more delays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, someone was asking them, and they were like, no. This is it. It's happening. So that's good. Uh, Cameron, are you excited for Cyberpunk? Yeah, I'm super excited for Cyberpunk. Uh, it's, it looks uh, really uh, interesting, and uh, it's gonna. Be, I think it'll be like a fresh RPG experience. Uh, you know, coming from we normally get the. I mean, it's technically sci-fi, but I feel like it just has a. It brings a different vibe than like Mass Effect would, or um, you know, and then. We get plenty of fantasy RPGs pretty often. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I pre-ordered, like, the Collector's Edition way back when they first announced it at E3 last year or something like that. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I Part of me kind of wants to wait till the next-gen update to actually play it, though. Um, but I feel like that there's also a whole lot of replayability. Uh, there's going to be with the three different paths and everything like that that I'll probably just play one path later and then once the next gen update comes i'll try the other two um similarly to the witcher 3 like i started the witcher 3 like early i think last year and i played like a few hours and i just kind of dropped it just because i didn't i was playing other things and um that was just more of a backlog title and that's a very uh intimidating (laughs) uh (laughs) game to play uh (laughs) when you're trying to keep up to date with everything that's coming out um, but when they announced the next gen update, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm just going to wait for next gen and then uh, I'll hop in proper then. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to Cyberpunk. Um, I, I don't know. I've just like, I'm, there's, 
I feel like there's still like so much that we still don't really know about the game that I'm really uh looking forward to seeing like just kind of like the inner like the city interactions and just like those kind of like attention to details that I'm I'm more curious about um and uh yeah I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I feel like they've shown a lot but they've shown a lot of stuff that not that I'm not interested in but I feel like it's stuff that I already know enough about. Like, I don't need to see the city more. I don't need to understand the gangs more. I'm more interested in, like like you were saying, how the, the little interactions in the city, the smaller details. That's kind of what I'm excited to see. But the, the, the other thing uh, that I figured was worth talking about is all this next-gen stuff. There's some... We got, we got that PS5. Is it, stuff? is it stuff? Can you categorize it as stuff? What the hell is Sony doing? What know. is this? Oh, my God. That teardown was kind of awkward. <laughs> I didn't watch it. Uh, I, I was just like, I don't either. need to. I don't need to watch a console be dismantled. Like, yeah. just give me the console. So, hey, plug for Gen Next. We're going to be talking about all this tomorrow, and I've uh, just been doing the run sheet. And it's like, think about Xbox's strategy, which has been get the console out into people's hands, like get dummy units out, so you can move past the conversation of how big it is. You can, you know, have. It's so clever, like sending out dummy units so that people can put them in their homes and take pictures. And so people will automatically start thinking, oh, this is what it's going to be like to have one in my house. And then sending out actual units so far ahead of time. Really good. Like Twitter, YouTube, media, all been flooded with pictures of people playing Xbox, going on about how great Quick Resume is, how great it is, and like the loading times, etc. Sony has given select YouTubers and press in Japan, hands-on, haven't said anything about their UI, haven't said anything about what the create button does. They weren't allowed to look at it or even press that button. They have shown a video of it being taken apart. And then they've said that like, yeah, that's it. That's that's your lot, guys. And actually, wait, not like there's... Apparently the load times are good. It's quiet. There's like they're swapping the uh, cross and circle buttons in Japan, which is pretty huge actually. But yeah. like, yeah. um, the, they're changing the trophy system in a way, and allegedly they're adding trophy tracking, which is honestly one of my like most requested features for um, PlayStation because like it, I find it fantastic to do on Xbox. It is frustrating to not be able to do it on PlayStation, but looks like they're changing that. Uh, 3D audio won't work on TV at launch. Not great. Um, Do you guys plan on ordering the special headphones? I was gonna, but like, I can't get it. It's all sold out. And then um, a fun fact that came out this week, Sony doesn't own the trademark PS5 in India. They're currently battling with someone who um, who, uh, trademarked it before they could uh, announce And then, yeah, they did that teardown video, which is, like, honestly, like, watching that video, I really appreciated a lot of the little subtle details that they gave off about the uh, the, the cooling fan and, like, reading the reports of Japan. It does seem like the console is very cool compared to Xbox. Uh, I don't know if you saw, was it Jeff Bacalar on Beastcast? Uh, he took out one of the storage units and it was like, ha, because it was too hot. So, uh. but, like, it's so, so strange to me that, like, November 12th because yeah they're 12th right Yeah. Mm -hmm. November 12th is so close and you're not doing anything in one of your biggest markets 
it's so it's so weird and like i've pre-ordered i have two of these consoles pre-ordered what am i paying for like i want to i want to see more of it maybe maybe this is just me being like so used to seeing so much ahead because of that's how it was in the olden times and i remember like when ps4 came out and you know you just had access to that thing you go to a convention and play it or you Mm -hmm. go to an event and play it here it's like there's still so much uncertainty about it and they're being strangely cagey and i just it's so wild to see like and i hate to say it but arrogant sony back Mm-hmm. And like, that's what it's felt like where, you know, Xbox was very much on the back foot for most of the last gen. And then this time they've just got such a good plan in place for rolling everything out. And like now they're at the point where they're just poking fun at Sony. And it's so weird to see it happens every time. Like there's always this weird reversal. Um, Everyone's always like they've learned from their mistakes. No. This goes for Xbox. This goes for Nintendo. This goes for no PlayStation, Sony. And no one learns. It's just like. Like I'm going crazy. I like I haven't even been in this industry that long. Five years, or I guess seven years, like not professionally. And it's like I, I've seen these cycles happen multiple times. How does marketing not see this? Like you got it. You got to assume that um, COVID has obviously played a huge mm-hmm. role in it. But it's just so. It's really strange to see one of them get it together and the other one not. Yeah. It for me. It like is 100% just a work stressor at this point. Like I'm, I, you know, I wouldn't be sinking, you know, a thousand plus dollars into the new consoles right now. If it wasn't my job, um, I'd probably just be playing a lot of stuff on PC or, you know, playing the, the backwards or the stuff that, you know, a lot of these games are still coming out on PS4 and Xbox one, for example. So, it, for from a work perspective, it's incredibly stressful to not have more information, um, especially because like when you're looking at a console launch, I mean, like my job is to get all of those launch games reviewed. Um, and there's just there's just a lot of question marks and a lot of unknowns. And um, I, I would really the teardown video does not help me in that regard. So I was just like, I'm not watching this like like just tell me more things. I need more information to do my job. I'm very stressed out. So. I would not be surprised if there was an event very, very soon. Hmm. I feel like, like there's no be. way. No, I don't. I, no, no, no. I don't think that's going to happen. Really? I I feel like they're doing this weird breadcrumb thing, and then they're going to do a big, like, they'll do one final. What would they even call it? They don't call them PlayStation meetings anymore, do they? No. But they would. I think they would do one more stream. Like what was what was their quarterly stream called? Like a Play. PlayStation Direct, even where it's like, yeah. here's your UI overview. Here's state what of, the state of play. State of state of play. That's what it is. Here's yeah. your. Uh, here's what the create button does. Here's um. I don't know, like all the little things that will help you account management. Like here's an in depth look at trophies and how all the changes we're making. It's like, I feel like that has to be coming up. I think they're going to dish them out in like trailers similar to the breakdown. Like, oh, here's the UI trailer. Here's the, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what you call a trailer. Um, yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way with uh, you, Lucy. Like, I, because I am primarily an Xbox gamer. So just like, you know, granted, like I'm a little biased, obviously, because that's where I prefer to play. But I just feel like PlayStation has continued or Sony has continued to like not do what they should be doing. And then like, 
people are just okay with it like or or they like they go back on what they said that they were doing and then they and then they do what they didn't say that you know what they said they weren't going to do like cross-gen titles like they said earlier this year we're not going to do cross-gen titles and then everyone's just like oh this is great but then like halo infinite gets crap because it's cross-gen and i'm like that doesn't make any sense to me um so i'm getting a ps5 for one work and two because i just don't want to deal with trying to find one later because i know that they're going to be like going in and out of stock so i just wanted to get it and not deal with it i like after that last presentation I could have not gotten a PS5 because the only launch game that I really care about on PS4, uh, for PS5, Miles Morales, is coming. It's going to mm-hmm. be on PS4. So it's just mm-hmm. like, you know, I could have. It, gave, it actually gave me less reasons to get a PS5, which was surprising enough. Um, so yeah, I, I think that they're just really like just. I think that they they just feel like that they don't have to prove themselves, so they're being really cocky. Not cocky per se, but they're just being really uh, close-minded about giving out those details so but i mean at the same time it's funny that you say they're being cocky because they don't have to worry and they really don't like if you look at market stuff it's still it was 50 50 for a while and now i think it's skewed like 60 40 in the favor of sony Mm -hmm. maybe even higher so it's so it's so strange that it's like and i i honestly hate the the console war mindset um like it's yeah i I get i I love covering both for work because Mm -hmm. i know as a consumer and as a gamer i'm gonna have both and play both but it's like yeah it's so wild to see the double standards between the two like especially sony's like oh sony has all the exclusives sony has all uh, xyz and then microsoft come up and they buy bethesda and people are like oh well they're just like taking over the market and it's uh yeah, yeah it's not fair and it's unfair like, exclusives what yeah oh they, they they they're gonna release those on playstation like no <laughs> i mean they might like it just it, it's I so it's so think, wild yeah. i don't think they are i for 7.5 billion dollars like i don't think that you know, because if you think about that, they made eight studio, they, they purchased eight studios, mm. and then like Sony purchased Insomniac for two hundred twenty-seven million. Yeah, that times eight is only one point eight billion. Like so, seven point five billion dollars. Like I know that those are some major IPs there, and like merchandise and things like that. But that seems like way too much money still uh, for for you know not making them mm. console exclusives. Because at that point, mm-hmm. just make a deal with Bethesda for timed exclusivity, like. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's a really good point about comparing that with Insomniac. I didn't think about like the price of other acquisitions because when you get into the billions, I just tune out. I'm like, <laughs> kind of when people start talking about billions of dollars, I'm like, well, fuck you. So like, I just <laughs> don't yeah. think about it. But that is a really good point um, about like what kind of investment is it really um, if it's going to be that high? So yeah, it's just. You know, over over in uh, Nintendo Land, we we don't have console wars. We we just people complain about how Animal Crossing doesn't have enough content, and you know, <laughs> it's uh, there are only two exclusives this year for Switch. Oh, God forbid! <laughs> people will just uh, find something to complain about. I guess one, one thing you did bring up, Lucy, that I I think is interesting is is that Xbox did send out those dummy units and how mm-hmm. we are way past the conversation of how that Xbox looks like a fridge. Because <laughs> yes. that was all everyone talked about for for a long ass time, but I feel like we're well beyond that. But today, there's still all these images on Twitter of people holding up these giant PS5s that I think are hilarious. But it's just like, come on, Sony, you probably don't want people no. to be talking about that right now. And yeah. like, but 
So I have a <laughs> I have a tape measure in my hand because I was watching the teardown video and I was like, look, I'm going to measure because I have no way of seeing. Uh, Greg, my roommate, has a Series X and so I can see that with my eyes. I can see how it's going to fit into my apartment. It fits in our uh, entertainment unit in the lounge. It's very good. Uh, I got a tape measure to see how big the PlayStation 5 is and the PlayStation 5 is taller than my air purifier. <gasps> Wow. That's big. That's so, like that you have props. I hope you use that for Jen next. <laughs> uh, I'm going to. Don't worry about it. I'm going to use it tomorrow. When we shoot. If you're just listening, she's hold, she's actually holding up the tape measure for us. <laughs> I'm I'm weirdly afraid of tape measures. They're so really violent. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, like, I think as a kid, I've, I must have snapped my finger in it or yeah. something. And just, I live in fear. Um, I actually crushed my fingers in my podcast arm. Before no. the podcast, Ooh. oh my god, so very sensitive be... right now to that idea. Oof. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't fun. Um, but oh. yeah, I I think that's a really good point. Like just to build off of this idea of like the visual is, yeah. Like I didn't like either consoles look when I first saw it. I talked about it on this podcast about how the Series S was like my favorite look because it was just simple and small, and I could just easily put that into an entertainment unit and not worry about it. Um, but I'm so much more used. I don't have an Xbox Series X unit, um, but I'm so much more used to the look of it and like seeing mm-hmm. pictures of Michael Hyam with it and like seeing pictures of people holding it. Like I'm so much more used to the look, and I still think the PS5 is fugly. So like I'm just yeah, like, so well, like, when the, in the teardown video when the the gentleman hosting it said, "Oh, you can take off the faceplates," I was like, "Yes, yes, because okay, they're ugly." I'll get my old black console, and then he took them <laughs> off. Just and I was spray like, paint them too. <laughs> Uh, but then I looked at it without the faceplates on. I was like, oh, it looks like, no, I can't have that. So, And I think the, the faceplates as well help with cooling. So yeah. I just I just really hope there's going to be a third-party market if Sony don't immediately jump on that themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I've seen some renders, like fan-made renders, and there was a Ghost of uh, Tsushima one uh, that someone made, and it looked incredible. It looked so slick. And I was like, I would have that. Well, even one of their marketing shots was like backlit, so they didn't light the, the you didn't see the the white sides on it, and it looked all black. And I was like, I like that a lot more, but I know it just <laughs> looks like that because the lighting. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone who listens to this is going to call us a bunch of Xbots because we just made fun of Sony for a bit. I will I, say, Demon Souls is why I'm very excited mm-hmm. for my PS5. I cannot wait to play Demon Souls, mm-hmm. and I also didn't get a Series X because Microsoft screwed me over. But anyway, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> And we're back with listener questions. If you've got any questions for us, you can email us at afterdarkpodcast at gamespot.com or you can join our Discord by DMing myself or Lucy and we'll get you right in there. There is a whole channel there for your questions. So if you have any, you can just drop them right in there. But without further ado, Callie, do you want to read this first question? Sure. This is from Timmy Bean on the Discord. I love that oh, username. That's, That's adorable. <laughs> Uh, JRPGs and WRPGs or Western role-playing games, do you have a preference of playing one genre over the other? If so, why? What are a few of your favorite games from each genre being JR- Japanese and Western role-playing games? I grabbed this question because I knew Cameron was going to be on this week and I was like, this is a good one. <laughs> this is a good one to toss in here. Uh, for me, I mean, like, uh, yeah, JRPGs are definitely my thing. Like, uh, Kingdom Hearts is my jam. Final Fantasy VII Remake is my current game of the year. Um, I yeah, I love JRPGs. Uh more on the Western RPG side, uh like Mass Effect is again also just 
my jam. Uh, again, not not as heavy on the on the Western RPG side, just mainly because most of them like have spiders in them or something, so mm-hmm. I can't play them. So, um, but I did play Oblivion. I really uh, I enjoyed Oblivion. Um, I'm trying to think about what else. Uh, yeah, those are the only two I can think of off the top of my head right now. Uh, mm-hmm. oh, and like again, I want to play The Witcher. So, Mass Effect Witcher- and Oblivion are both like damn good. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, this one's tricky for me because I play a lot of both. Uh, I, I also do like we've had this conversation at GameSpot before about the weird classifications between Western RPGs and JRPGs because <clears throat> like a game like Breath of the Wild has a lot of clear Western influences, but that is made by a Japanese development team. So is that a JRPG? Is that a, is that a Western RPG? It's Yeah. Like how would you classify Dragon's Dogma? Or yeah, normal. Normally, I would. Uh, it, it's weird because, like, originally, I feel that JRPGs were considered just turn-based RPG mm-hmm. games with a turn-based battle system. But I feel like now it's kind of evolved more into just RPGs made by a Japanese studio. Yeah. Yeah, I think if I were to use the actual classification JRPG versus WRPG, I I I do have a particular idea of. <clears throat> the difference um in my mind but i don't know if it's like consistent it's, it's like not really a modern contemporary designation i think if we're talking about jrpgs we're really going back 10 15 years into what the concept because i mean i'm thinking like tales of symphonia like when i think jrpg or like something with a lot of text on the screen or like yeah totally know, building a party um a lot of turn-based um, but obviously Western RPGs can be turn-based, you know, so it, it, it is a, a tricky classification, but I do understand the question. Um, yeah. Generally. Well, I mean, that is something I was going to bring up too. Like the, there are still games that I look at and I'm like, yeah, this is cl- like Dragon Age 11, uh, mm-hmm. is a good example of a game. That Classic JRPG. Yeah. Was, yeah, it was made pretty recently, but that is a JRPG. The Tales games to me are mm-hmm. very JRPG, but then there's a lot of games now that kind of don't really fit. Like even Final Fantasy VII Remake, for example, is like, yeah, it's made by a Japanese development team, but I don't really think of JRPG when I play that game. Uh, But I mean, that being said, like I play both. I really like both. Uh, I I really like the Persona games. I really like the, the, the Dragon Quest games. I really love the Elder Scrolls games, even with all their faults, the Fallout games. I, of course, The Witcher is one of my favorite games of all time. So for me, I'm, I, I kind of pick and choose from both sides. There are still games, uh, there's still Western RPGs I don't like, and there's still JRPGs I don't like. Like, I could never get into Dragon Age. Oh, God, God, there's too many Dragon. I couldn't get into Dragon Age. You're missing out on some good times. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> no, I'm the same. I pick from both. Like, and I, I don't even think that I gravitate towards one over the other. I There's definitely, like... <sighs> Like Cameron said, like the sci-fi RPGs that I really, really enjoy. Mass Effect obviously being a huge one of those. But I also really like Western um, folklore. And that typically lends itself more to Witches and Dragon Ages and um, your your Elder Scrolls. But at the same time, I really love the... the, Just the fantastical over-the-topness that comes typically more with Japanese RPGs. So Mm -hmm. it's just like, it just depends on the... And, uh, which which like, one I get at like, first? Yeah, and speaking of the folk, uh, folklore thing, I think we kind of forget about it just because it's well, it's coming back, but we, you know, it's been a while. But Fable, Fable's great. Yeah, Fable Two specifically, it's great. Very British. 
Um, Very British. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I would say I probably gravitate towards Western RPGs more. One of my favorite things to do in games is spec out a character. I could just, like I said earlier, I've, I've rolled characters for D&D and then not played the campaign. I've done that before in RPGs. Just I'll restart just to re-spec out a character. Um, that was also something I really liked about the earlier Sims games was getting to yeah. assign attributes. So um, I've always gravitated to traditional Western RPGs for that reason. Um, I got really dangerously into Skyrim. It was really just, I, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I was in college. I didn't go to class for a week. Um, not that I went to class a whole lot, stay in school. Um, and, but the, the thing is nobody expects me to say that because i'm such a huge pokemon fan um but i've never ever thought of pokemon as a jrpg even though it is very much a traditional yeah. jrpg uh mechanically kind of like transcended that yeah title, yeah it's just pokemon to me it's i yeah. don't really think of it that way and i i think like that was <clears throat> sorry my voice is going out for some reason um that was one of the reasons i still really liked sword and shield i think there were a lot of people who didn't like that it didn't include um like dungeony elements or puzzly elements and that's just not something that i look for in pokemon games anymore if i want that i i will go to a different kind of game so um <clears throat> god sorry um but yeah i i do want i didn't say this during the what we've been playing but i did want to really quickly say that i finally after this is my third time trying persona 5 I've started it three times now, and it's finally clicked yes. with P five R. Yes, with R. I was gonna, I was gonna say when you said that, I was like, "Oh no, please play R. Yeah. Please play R." It was, it was with R, and um, my my biggest barrier with that game was the tutorial. It's very text heavy. Um, ten yeah. hours long. It's ten hours yeah. long. <laughs> And for me, that kind of stuff gets very overwhelming. I have a hard time getting all of that information that way. You don't see that as much in Western RPGs. It's really kind of a trial by fire. Like Skyrim, the opening of Skyrim is just kind of like, there's a dragon now, time to run. You're going to fight some guys in a cave. A literal um, trial by fire. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, my attention span, like my learning um, style, lend, I Western RPGs are are just I'm more compatible with them um but I I, I do finally I, I love management things I love turn-based shit so yeah who's, who's I, best girl sorry hmm? who's question. best girl so far mm. uh I mean so Utaba. far <gasps> like, even, I didn't even even wearing shirt. a persona shirt I didn't know yeah coincidence um, who's wearing a persona jacket weren't you I am. Oh, shit, I was. <laughs> oh my god, I was wearing my insert coin. Um, I mean, I like Goth Doctor. Yes, so okay. far. Yeah, yes. she's she's a good one. She's a and good then one. I love Kasumi's design. Yes. Um, yes, she's so cute. She's super freaking cute. So that's uh, where I'm at. Who's Kasumi? I like I, I, the new character Yoshizawa. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. She's great. She's great. Yeah. If you oh, want to watch a video on how she was made, go watch our episode of Audiologues on YouTube.com. <laughs> it's really good. Please watch it. Next question here is from Serious Business on Discord. Now that it's October, what are your go-to spooky games, movies, and TV shows? Um, Nightmare Before Christmas? 
That's a Christmas movie, though. It's it's a holiday movie. It is good. It's good from October to December, baby. I will. Oh, so here, okay. So there was actually uh, an interesting conversation I had on Twitter with. Uh, I forgot who who it is, but he wrote Spec Ops: The Line. I forgot his Walt name. Walt something. Walt Women was that it? Walt Williams. Walt Williams. Yeah, uh, Walt I asked Whitman's him. An author, God, yeah, from like sorry, English I was like, class. I knew that uh, wasn't right. Walt. Yeah, Williams. and I was just asking him because I was like, I was super hardcore on the like, it's a it's a Halloween movie. You know what I mean? Mm. And he and he like completely flipped the switch on me because basically like even though it does like have the Halloween themes and stuff like that of just. You know the visuals, the like the themes of, of the it film. Is, it is all about Christmas. Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but at you the know. same time, like I just love that spooky, like first third. Oh, for sure. That's 100%. and that's like peak. I know Tim Burton didn't direct it, but he. But it's it's it, a lot of Tim, but mm-hmm. it's very it's like it's Burton. Like my favorite Burton was you know. Oh yeah, I, I love Nightmare Before Christmas for Vincent, sure. Vincent Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, I would say I was a huge Burton fan, and I think after Sleepy Hollow, that's when I kind of fell off. But like everything he was doing in the late 80s, early 90s, I was like, hell yeah. And then Sleepy Hollow, fantastic Halloween movie. Speaking of Burton Coraline. Ooh, that was... That's not... I mean, it's Burton-esque is what I... No, no, no. I think it was directed by Henry Selleck, who did direct The Night Before Christmas. Yeah. It, it It has... the same sort of vibe, like Burton. It definitely vibes. has the same vibe. Um, Coraline is so horrifying. <laughs> I love Coraline. Yeah. Um, I also I love watching the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror episodes mm-hmm. for um, Halloween, and I love The Conjuring. I love The Conjuring. I love we The Conjuring. That a couple. So Greg is doing uh, The Conjuring in review. So we watched that last mm-hmm. week, and it's a very good movie. Yeah, I uh, I am actually like super not into horror films, but I did watch The Conjuring, and I love that film. Like, it's I, I like so it. Just good. <laughs> it just didn't it didn't scare me surprisingly. Um, but yeah, I love that film, uh, Hereditary. Oh my god, oh, yeah. so I, good! I can so never watch good. that movie again. I saw oh, it in theaters, so and that was enough. That that yeah. director is um, I who is hurt like, you? are yeah. you okay? I feel like there's a line between like fun Halloween movies I'm gonna watch every October, and then the Halloween movies mm-hmm. that you probably won't want to watch every year, yeah. but are still very good. And I feel like Hereditary definitely falls in there. And same with the movie called The Witch, uh, came out oh, a couple okay. years ago, which is a movie I really liked. But goddamn, do I never want to see that movie again? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then um, for more fun movies like hor- uh, like Halloween or horror type movies, uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yes, Super Shaun of funny. the Dead. Oh, a great movie. Shaun of yes. the Dead, yeah, Shaun of the Dead, absolutely. But yeah, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, I feel like, is a movie that a lot of people don't know about. Yeah. And it's really, mm-hmm. really funny. And it completely, like, messes with all the horror tropes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's kind of like Cabin in the Woods, but better, in my opinion. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I didn't really care for Cabin in the Woods that much, but that, uh, I don't know. Uh, and uh, TV show, uh, I really enjoyed uh, Scream Queens when it was on TV. I enjoyed Scream Queens, too. I really like that. I really like that. No one ever talks about Scream Queens, but I thought it was fun. I love Scream Queens. Uh, I like the. uh, I thought the first season was great. The second season, not as good, but like Mm. still fun. Um, I kind of am sad that I got canceled after two seasons, but like based off how the show was like structured, it only should have been a one. It should have been a one and done season, in my opinion. Um, Um, God, there's so so many good ones. Oh, and then like Disney Channel, like Halloween Town, Twitches. 
I never got excited for the channel. new um Really? Witches. Wait, what? I, I never got into I've no, like I never seen that. a Disney Channel show or movie. I mean, one of the best movies of all time is The Shining and yeah. that's I love that movie. I know it's pretty basic, but that's probably my pick. Like I I can watch that movie anytime. Did I tell you so in the UK we got a different cut of The Shining. And so I had The Shining on DVD and like I've seen it many, many times. And then they played it at the BFI IMAX, uh, the British Film Institute uh, IMAX in uh, Waterloo. And I went with like the boys from IGN and Tam and Will from our side. And we went and I was sat there with Tam and I was like, do you remember this? And he was like, no. And I was like, "Am am I dreaming? You guys had like a half hour longer version of The Shining that we did. <laughs> and so I was like freaking out because there was so much stuff that I'd never seen before. And and like now having seen it, it makes like perfect sense within the context. And looking and reading up on it, it was like they just didn't want to release it at that length in the UK. Huh. And now you like, understand why people think Stanley Kubrick filmed, filmed the moon landing, right? It all makes sense now. Yeah. See, I watch. I actually watched The Shining. I'm a big movie guy, but... The Shining was just a film that I just didn't watch for a long time. And I think I watched it for the first time like two years ago. And I really didn't like it. Like, oh. I really didn't like it. And I think it's because it just wasn't... I don't think I've... Like, I never really watched a surreal horror film before. Right. And I think that it just... It just didn't give me enough information. Like, I can understand, mm-hmm. like, hiding some things from the viewer. But, like, it felt like you had to watch the movie... And then when the movie was over, you literally had to piece everything together. Yeah. And that's not, to me, a good movie because it's not telling you anything. I mean, I mean it makes should. sense. Oh, like, not a good movie. It's not oh, what I want. I'm not saying it's no, a bad movie. I get it's it. Like I, So actually, when I first saw The Shining, because I was a huge Stephen King fan in my early teens, and I read The Shining. The Shining was my favorite book for a long time. And I hated Kubrick's version of The Shining like the first couple times that I saw it because he made so many changes and like he didn't explain a lot of what happened and like in the original novel there's uh all the stuff with the boiler and way more emphasis on the burial ground beneath the hotel etc etc and way more influence on jack's drinking problem which is like super super key to the story and yet in this it's like okay he drinks occasionally and then but like it's it's like it's talked about and mentioned but not really to the extent as in the book and so i hated the movie and then over time, it just became the thing. It's like the more I'd watch it and the more I'd read about it, that's when I've really started to appreciate it more. But like, I totally get that if it's just a movie that you're going to see once, you're like, oh, okay, it's fine. Like, it's fine. But like, I, it's it's that gradual appreciation of it, I would say. Yeah, I was going to say like the book is probably would be more your taste because yeah. it feels more, I don't want to say fleshed out, but it feels like there's more concrete stuff there that you can grab onto there's also more horror in the book like the book yeah. is legitimately scary i i i don't really get scared by things unless it's like really really creepy and demented like i feel like my early years on the internet have just desensitized me to so yeah. to an uncomfortable level <laughs> but the book of the shining is genuinely like i felt like Ugh, tense when I was reading some sections of it. It's really good. Um, I also just want to really quickly shout out Evil Dead 2 specifically, and then Army of Darkness. Do get me in a spooky mood. Um, and I love Nightmare on Elm Street as well. Nightmare on Elm Street like fucked me up as a kid. Really? Like, 
Yeah, because I, 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 again, I didn't like horror films. I was at my friend's place, and his dad forced us to watch it. <laughs> and that bedlifting scene, I was, I was, I, 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 I like oh shaking. I was literally shaking, holding onto a pillow. Like <gasps> I, I was like yelling, "Turn it off, please!" Oh I was God. so scared. I hate Jeez. horror films. Like again, like The Conjuring and Hereditary. I saw both those films just because I heard enough, like enough <laughs> people talk about it. To say like you need to watch this even if you're not into horror, and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll watch it. And I watched The Quiet Place too because I love John Krasinski. So, yeah. <laughs> well, we should probably wrap this up, but we've got one more question. I figure we can just keep this one nice and short. Uh, Lucy, do you want to read this one? Yes, uh, this is from Alex in Canberra, Australia. Hi, After Dark Crew. I am a loyal listener from down in Australia that's been listening to your show since episode one, and I look forward to it each and every week. Aww. Thank you for sticking with us. Oh. Uh, One of the most unexpected but delightful benefits I have received from listening is actually the non-game-related media mentioned. (laughs) Thanks to to hearing Tam's passionate pitching, I have recently listened to Sandman, yes, uh, and watched Dark on Netflix and absolutely love both of them. My question is, are there any other hidden gems out there I should be looking into? And can you all please continue talking about these great finds on the show as well as the games? Keep up the fantastic work. Thank you, Oh, thank you so much. We can keep this short, maybe just one or two. Uh, the big one for me is a movie called Pi by Darren Aronofsky, not the movie Life of Pi. Uh, this is a film that I like. no one's seen. I saw it in Very a good. film class. Be- oh, you have seen it? Yeah, I love Darren Aronofsky. Oh, I have a signed copy of Black Swan. Like, I <gasps> I, I love Darren Aronofsky. I do too, until Noah. I didn't, I didn't like Noah that much. Oh, yeah, Noah was all right. But, um, Jesus, but, I forgot about Noah. But Pi is incredible. It's very... It's, I, I don't know if it's tough to get a hold of, but I don't think you can really stream it anywhere. Maybe you can stream it on YouTube now. I don't know what I'm talking about. But when I was trying to get it a couple years ago, I had so much trouble and I could only find it on DVD. But it is a very good film if you're into the weird, kind of like, it's kind of like a Nolan film with not a, with a very, very, very small budget. It's very good. Yeah, um, actually regarding where to watch it, I'm pretty sure I watched it on Amazon Prime. So Ooh. that's probably where uh, I would check there first. Um, but for uh, for my recommendations, I have two shows. One is not, I don't think it's like super like hidden gem, but but uh, I feel like not enough people talked about it and watched it. American Vandal. So, oh, so yeah. I loved yeah. American so, Vandal. So great. Like I can't believe oh it got canceled after two oh, seasons. No. Both, of those sh- both those seasons, 10 out of 10. Like so good. Um, and then uh, another show, which I do feel like a lot of people like don't know about, is also on Netflix. It's it's uh, called Broadchurch. It's a British crime drama with David Tennant and uh, Olivia Coleman. Very and big it in is, the UK. It's there's three seasons. You you can only really watch the first if you want to, but the first season alone is the best single season of television I've ever seen. Like it Whoa. is, it is that good. It's amazing. Uh, hey. Pie is available on. Hulu Premium, at least in the United States. Ew. Clear uh, that I, up. I don't know if Hulu exists in Australia, though. Does it? We I don't have it in the UK. Uh, in terms of my recommendation, I talked about it a couple weeks ago, but I finished it the weekend. Um, the Naked Director on Netflix is fantastic. Eight episodes. Um, not suitable for work. It's about a porn director, and there are a lot of uh, scenes in it. Uh, everything's covered, but, you know, scenes. Uh, but it's really funny. It's really well acted. The music, especially, I think I've said this before, is a massive ripoff of the Social Network soundtrack. Like it is almost like bit for bit 
the social network soundtrack. They even have like the sad music in it is literally down, 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 which just like sent me. It's but it's also it's like really good, really well made, uh, really interesting story. That's actually true, which is even wilder. Um, and it's on Netflix and eight episodes. It's great. Um, I don't know if I would call anything I'm interested in obscure because, like I mentioned, I basically crushed all of my interests thinking that I had bad tastes and uh, for a very long time. But I guess I would say um, watch the anime Made in Abyss. I really like that anime. I don't think a lot of people watched it. It did. I was an anime awards judge that year and we did award it anime of the year. Um, so mm. I would, I would definitely recommend it. There's one scene towards the beginning that is a little uncomfortable. I don't think it's that problematic. My standards for anime are a little different admittedly. Um, but it, I actually like really like sobbed like ugly cried at this show it's it's really excellent um another i guess i'll just do anime things um an anime film called a silent voice yeah um, it came out the same year as your name so it didn't really get a lot of attention but i think it's good. way better than your name I, okay i disagree with that it's way better than your name and i'll fight you um <laughs> but um it's about it's about a, a teenager who, when he was in elementary school, bullied, relentlessly bullied a deaf girl in his class and got the whole class involved in bullying her. And it's about his um, kind of like how he seeks redemption is not really the right word. Maybe like he he just needs to come to terms with that part of himself. Um, and it's it's really excellent. Um, once again, better. It's way better than your name. <laughs> Um, and then finally, Orange. I love Orange. Read the manga Orange. It's really short and it's about, it has a time travel thing. That one also made me cry. Well, that's been episode 62 of GameSpot After Dark. Thank you all so much for listening and thank you guys for joining me this week. Before we go, uh, Callie, where can people find you on Twitter and what are you working on this week? Um, you can find me on Twitter at InkyDojiko, I-N-K-Y-D-O-J-I-K-K-O. Um, you know, I just keep on trucking. That's, you know, I'm working on planning and scheduling really exciting stuff. So, yeah, not a whole lot to shout out. Just keep reading GameSpot reviews, please. So I have a job. Lucy, how about you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Lucy James Games and uh, Gen Next will be up today a little bit later because we're actually filming it on Thursday because... Uh, of the weird way that Sony's been dealing out information. I delayed our um, video recording until the last possible moment because I don't trust them <laughs> to not drop something big. Uh, but yeah, youtube.com slash GameSpot for things that I'm involved in. And Cameron, what about you? Oh yeah, you can find me on Twitter at the Cinephile Guy, and I stream on Twitch at twitch.tv slash the Cinephile Guy. And, uh, you know, I, uh, you can find my uh, writings at DualShockers.com and you can follow DualShockers on Twitter at DualShockers. And, uh, you know, I just write a bunch of things. I can't, uh, you know, and uh, the things that I'm working on right now, I can't disclose in any way. So, uh, yeah. So uh, just look forward to some cool things coming up in the coming weeks. So The DualShockers Twitter account is pretty entertaining. 
Yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm, I, for, for like a brand, I guess, I've been really enjoying the, the tweets <laughs> that have been coming out of there. Uh, you can find me at Jacob Deck, and I've been working on a cyberpunk lore video all about brain dance, which so far, surprisingly, I think is the most interesting one we've done. Not that the other ones, at least most interesting one I've done, not that those ones haven't been interesting, but the brain dance stuff is absolutely wild. Uh, so definitely look out for that this weekend. And yeah, that's about it. We'll see y'all next week. Bye. Bye-bye.